You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Welcome to the Talking Taiwan podcast, a podcast about interesting people who are connected to Taiwan and what they are doing. Visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com, to learn all about the fascinating guests I've interviewed in the past. One of those guests is Peter Lin, a musician, trombone player, and leader of the jazz band The Lin Tet. I interviewed him in March of 2018. Here's our interview. On today's episode of the Talking Taiwan podcast, I have Peter Lin. He's a jazz musician, the band leader of the Lin Tet, a teacher, and I don't know what else. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Hi, <laughs> I, I Felicia. Yeah, uh, just wearing many hats all the time, you know, freelancing, trombonist. Um, I was just saying that, you know, I wake up every day and it seems like I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> Always a new project in my mind. Wow. Um, so let's talk about the music first. So like, how did you get exposed to music, and how did you get, you know, introduced to, or onto playing the trombone? Mm. Well, uh, in terms of first getting exposed to music, uh, I kind of grew up with it in the home. You know, my mom played piano. Uh, my father kind of played violin <laughs> you could say and uh well you know he was more like you know like to do the whole karaoke thing uh you know along with my mother and my um my grandma actually on my father's side is a piano professor so um i used to take some piano lessons from her but uh I'm, you know i was young and it was a little too strict for me so uh -huh. i was like okay i'm just going to leave that alone but uh, I started first on violin, mm -hmm. Suzuki method, which mm -hmm. is basically like teaching, you know, really young kids uh, how to get around on the violin, you know, mm -hmm. um, very basic stuff. And then, um, you know, I went to school, uh, joined the school band. Uh, the, the band director at that time was like, oh, you sound good on the trombone. And what they really meant was we need a trombone player <laughs> and no one else wants to play the instrument. <laughs> a, a, a classic technique used by uh, music teachers all oh, around. Since, um, that you since learned. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but you know what? I was very proud of, of doing it because I was the only kind of uh, person that read, read bass class for those mm -hmm. uh, music people out there. You know, um, I was the only one that, that did that and was playing in the low register. So mm. I kind of had a lot of uh, solos, you could say, <laughs> in nice. fourth and fifth grade. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, that's, that's just specifically music. I mean, music was just such a part of the curriculum at school, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like I, I kind of had it uh, growing up around me, you know. Um, so it was very easy to, to get into it, you could say. For right. Sure. So, yeah, who were yeah. or what were your your earliest musical influences? Uh, well, in terms of musical influences, well, let let's say, uh, well, first of all, I kind of played violin all the way until I was uh, almost in high school, I believe. Um, but then I dropped out also because I had a pretty strict teacher and <laughs> that did not, you know, I wasn't really practicing. I really wasn't into it. So mm -hmm. I dropped the violin, took up trombone pretty much uh, full time at that point, um, just dedicated all the resources and time towards that. Um, you know, my teachers were my first 
you know, musical influences because I wasn't really listening to any instrumental music, believe it or not, uh, when I was growing up. You know, it wasn't really something that my parents were exposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in jazz music, it's really important to listen all the time. And, uh, you know, usually some of the best musicians around are the ones that have kind of grew up around the music, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. For me, it was a lot of just listening to my teachers, uh, my trombone teachers, my uh, school teachers who were really into jazz, uh, kind of listening to their advice and kind of picking up on some albums that uh, they told me to go check out. And back in those days, you know, you had to go to the library and check out CDs. Oh, man, you know. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) what are those? (laughs) Yeah, and I tell my students all the time, like, man, you have YouTube, you have Spotify, you have Apple Music. You mm-hmm. literally can just type in any song you want and listen to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I was, like, really obsessed. I, I used to go to the library and be like, oh, man, someone check that out. Like, I, I can't get it right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of just started picking up on all these albums, uh, some some great albums by actually J.J. Uh, Johnson, Curtis Fuller. These are great trombonists, uh, jazz trombonists, um, you know, who have definitely influenced my playing, for sure. So how did you end up meeting Slide Hampton? Yeah, um, so, you know, fast forward to college years, uh, I went to William Patterson for my undergrad uh, for jazz performance, mm-hmm. and I did a senior thesis on Slide Hampton, and um, at that point, you know, I was kind of looking around online for information on him, you know, just doing my research, and I realized that there was almost no information on where he was now you know there was a lot of information on like what he did back in the 50s you know when he went to europe Mm -hmm. but when he came back it was kind of like this this void of Mm -hmm. information um and and i was i was a little concerned because you know it said that he was still alive and then it just nowhere said that he was he was kind of like where he was exactly Mm -hmm. so so what ended up happening was I was subbing in this band that plays nearby, uh, Glenn Frank Big Band, and I sub in there quite often. Um, and sometimes Slide Hampton would just go and check out the band, um, and that was kind of amazing to me because uh, you know at that point uh, this was when I was in grad school. I, I found this out. Um, wow. I went to Rutgers. Right. Um, and, and and I was like, oh my God, I have to meet him. I have to meet him. I was just waiting for that yeah. sub, you know, to get sub for that band and um, just to get the opportunity. And, and finally it came one day and, uh, you know, I just, I was freaking out, you know. It was, it was like, um, it's like how people meet movie stars and yeah, stuff. That's, that's how can, it felt yeah, like Yeah, I can me, imagine. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a huge difference between, uh, you know, normal people, famous and then uh jazz musician famous <laughs> you know it's kind of like i'll freak out but like next person next to me is like what what you know who's that <laughs> you know? right right but, well uh, to each his own yeah so, so yeah yeah so that's how i first met him for sure and uh you know i i went over for an interview actually uh you know i i was doing a thesis on another trombone player and i knew that both him and Slide Hampton were practicing back in the 50s uh-huh. in the back of the Apollo Theater. Don't ask where I get that random bit of information. But um, I, I took that information, I ran with it, I hooked up an interview with him, 
and we literally talked for two hours and and then uh we actually played together you know we kind of just like we're jamming just the two of us Uh and uh from there i just started to go almost every day for the past two years wow wow so how did you um decide to go on this path to become a professional musician. I mean, obviously, you had planned this early on since you mentioned that you studied that in college. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what was that thought process, and what was your? How did your parents react to that? <laughs> I think you know how my parents react to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I have to um, ask. I'm curious. <laughs> of course, of course. No, I know. I mean, it's 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 kind of a running joke, you know, um, for sure. And, you know, the first time I realized that I wanted to become a professional musician was sometime um, in high school. I believe it was sophomore year Uh that, you know, um, my parents were really fueling me in that direction. You know, they would make me do all the auditions for like the local Mm -hmm. kind of region Mm -hmm. bands, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, different organizations getting involved. And at that time, there there was quite a number of music organizations, especially in New Jersey. Um, I was doing orchestra, I was doing jazz band, uh, what, whatever my parents found online, they're like, yeah, you're going to audition for that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I started to realize like, wow, I'm actually uh, okay at this, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I was placing pretty high in those days. And, you know, it was, it was something that really kept me going because it felt so much different than anything else I was doing at school Mm -hmm. you know I like look forward to that I look forward to picking up the horn and and creating sounds you know Um, it it was kind of just something I felt like uh, was a natural direction for me especially since the rest of the people in my school it was kind of like they they weren't really doing that so I kind of felt special doing Uh that too you know Um, it it really touched me in a way that I could never imagine it have doing you know yeah so I decided to go to college for it maybe junior year you know and I auditioned for a couple different places and uh, eventually I settled on William Patterson and that's when I really decided that I wanted to go to jazz audition because I was pretty much surrounded by people that loved the same thing that I loved you know and they knew so much more than I did <laughs> at that point so it was just very motivating to learn a uh, very rough first year because I was pretty much catching up well, with everyone else yeah but it was a uh, really amazing <clears throat> time for sure wow that's great and your parents <laughs> how did they react to all this because they were pushing you to do all these auditions so they must have been supportive now <laughs> yeah um, it was interesting because they were pushing for it but um, it was it was interesting because my brought up like oh I want to go to school for jazz they're like well how are you going to make money <laughs> you know and that's like always the first question it's of like course. well why would you push me to do this if I you know what I mean yeah it, it just yeah. felt a little weird yeah. there was a little bit of a disconnect but eventually they realized that that was all I really wanted to do mm-hmm. um and and they noticed that I really put a lot of time and dedication and, and passion into it. And, uh, you know, I guess they kind of saw that they didn't want me kind of ended up being this person that didn't like doing what I was doing. Because they mm-hmm. were so supportive of whatever um, they felt was a good thing to go for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they yeah. would be like, oh, you want music? Like, like, we'll give you music lessons. 
you know but if you want to like go home and chill out and play some video games like we're not going to support that (laughs) (laughs) you know Uh, which makes a lot of sense and (laughs) I thank them for uh, kind of push me with that kind of mentality right you know that's good and what was the running joke that you were referring to before you said there was a running joke well well, you know uh, especially I would say especially in the uh, I, I wouldn't say just Asian culture but in the immigrant culture when you're going to school for music or you're trying to pursue music you know it's just uh we all know what our parents reactions are you know we wouldn't have to ask each other like oh Mm -hmm. okay we we know that we have to convince them pretty hard you know (laughs) so um there's not a lot of us out here i mean it's increasing more and more but um just in terms of asian american musicians it's it's not it's not something that's considered kind of like a real you know quote unquote real job because it doesn't have a nine to five parameters Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. right so it it definitely can be a little discouraging for for parents to to push their children to do it but you know it's you know if their if their uh children are good they they should just go for it you know right for sure right Right. and so tell me about the lintet where does the name of the band come from so, actually, the Lintet was not a name that I came up with. Um, originally, it was just called, like, the Peter Lin Quintet Sextet, uh-huh. you know, just uh-huh. boring, boring uh-huh. name. <laughs> and then uh, one of my singer friends was like, this was at the time that uh, I believe Jeremy Lin was very uh, popular. Yeah. Yeah. So, you can see how that <laughs> worked out. Because pretty much you everything been had the word <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Trust me. At that time, everyone that I met was like, "Oh, your last name Lin? Are you related?" Or like, you know, "Oh, Lin Sanity." Man, that was a pretty funny time for like a period of yeah. maybe three, four months. It yeah. was just like yeah. Lin everywhere. So yeah, um, I can you know, I kind of just decided <laughs> to go off of that. Yeah, you, exactly, exactly. It's such a common last name too. So it's yeah. just like. You know, um, I just remember walking into a shop, right? And I was checking out and uh, the cashier was like, oh, my God. You know, looking at my credit card, like, are you related? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and I, you know, I was just thinking at that point, yeah, if I said yes, you know, maybe I could have gotten something out of it. But, <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, so the Lintet came from, obviously, you know, quintet, quartet. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can have any number of musicians in my band and still call it the Lintet. It's a, it's a very good economic name, you know? Yeah, no, it's For it's sure. pretty memorable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do, what do, so what do you do as a band leader? What are your responsibilities? So as a band leader, the most important thing, see, a lot of people think that it just means going to a show standing up there waving your arms around and ordering everyone around and uh, to a certain extent that's kind of what's happening but <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it because sure. nowadays especially with jazz see, we don't we don't have our own um, you know if we're starting out well actually just in general in jazz uh, we kind of manage ourselves right. uh, a lot of the artists that go out with their name bands um, you know they're kind of their own bands they're not hiring anyone to do anything so as a band leader you know our responsibility especially in the jazz room 
is to not only put all the musicians together that you want to play with you, uh-huh. but it's also to, you know, I kind of think of each show like an event. You right. know, there's like yeah. different components to you got you got to talk to the people that right. in charge mm-hmm. of the event, and mm-hmm. you got to like manage uh, who you know when we're getting food, like mm-hmm. you know how much uh, are the musicians getting, mm-hmm. like how much of a kind am I getting off the top, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the end, what it ends up being is you're both the manager and the band leader, and so what ends up what ends up happening is you pretty much take off all the responsibilities of man i can't tell you how much i love being a side man compared to a leader sometimes you know (laughs) um uh, it can be a little stressful especially uh you know sometimes with bands you get some personalities you know that's that's kind of just how life works you know it's just like work you know sometimes you'll get someone that uh, you know, might show up late or something, and then that's on your mind while you're trying to put together all the music. Right. So, um, you know, th- these things that y- you learn how to stop worrying so much as mm-hmm. a band leader, too, mm-hmm. because it's just not worth it. You know, in the end, you just want to present your music, and in order for that to be the best, you also have to be relaxed yeah. and, and everything. So, so yeah, the band yeah. leader, as a band leader, like you learn a lot about the music business. As a side man, all you gotta do is show up and uh-huh. play music. Uh-huh. It's kind of like being a mercenary. Like <laughs> I'll pay you to just come and play yeah. a couple of notes, and yeah. then that's it. You know, wow. that's that's the end of the day. Uh-huh. So band leader is like complete opposite right. of that. Right. The current state of jazz in this country is uh, an interesting point in in history. I mean, you know, jazz has always kind of reflected the times that it's in uh, if you know what I mean um, it's always been such a strong part of American culture mm-hmm. and, um, and for, for different reasons and, and not always valued and I'll, I'll put it that way pretty strongly because you know uh, when I first met Slide Hampton it was kind of appalling to me how an NEA jazz master mm-hmm. um, someone of his stature mm-hmm. has done so much for this music literally was kind of living month by month and in a small apartment and i I understand that he he kind of lives humbly you know and that's the way he you know Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, musicians choose to live but you know it it gets hard uh it's it's just interesting to see how um america kind of treats its own heroes if that Uh makes any sense you know uh uh, kind of they, they they kind of consider like well you know slide had a good career and everything and then that's it We're, we don't really care anymore that's what it kind of feels like you know mm-hmm. so he was considered uh one of the top trombone players of his time and arrangers um uh-huh. i mean he won two grammys mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um nea jazz master is the highest prestigious award you can get in, mm-hmm. in jazz so so he's uh 85 he's going to turn 86 in april mm-hmm. um he's still practicing he's still writing music wow and um yeah i mean obviously you know being at age 85 it's a little hard to get around uh physically the same way you were when you're younger but Mm -hmm. the musicality of a musician like that that's been in the thick and thin of of this uh business industry um you know it definitely comes out in his music and um, it's it's really amazing to see how motivated he is to get all this stuff 
out there you know he just really wants his music played so it's interesting what you say about um that jazz kind of reflects the times like so what do you think um is jazz reflecting about our current times yeah so um i mean historically you know just going back to uh when jazz first started um you know the the truth of the matter is that uh jazz was started by African Americans mm -hmm. here in this country, mm -hmm. and you know uh, the blues is kind of the basis of jazz, um, and one you know so like the blues was a representation of the um, you know the slaves' struggle to gain freedom, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and so that that the music you can see has always reflected especially in the uh black american experience has always reflected whatever was going on at times and uh people can feel that in the music which is why it's so attractive to people because all of a sudden there's all this passion and there's mm -hmm. there's all this uh rhythmic value in the music um that's coming out so you know uh jazz has always been in the mix of whatever was was going on the harlem renaissance you know the uh civil rights movement you know a lot of the musicians were making albums that were kind of speaking volumes you know right. um about the current situation uh they were always involved in civil rights movement um so now the, the state of jazz is kind of like jazz has entered academia uh in the I would say it really entered academia in the 70s and 80s. I, mm. I mean, I do have to double check that, mm -hmm. but that's kind of when it started to boom. That's when they were like, okay, well, you know, this, so now we're going to make this a curriculum. And so what ends up happening is that the music that was originally passed down orally and kind of, you know, um, from person to person, from going to the clubs and mm -hmm. uh, going to concerts and stuff like that, all of a sudden it's being moved into institutions of learning where there's a kind of a, um, you know, there's kind of a, a curriculum as to how this music is going to be learned and mm -hmm. people decide this curriculum and, and everything like that. So, um, you know, we're, we're in an interesting time because now we have this influx of musicians who want to pursue jazz um, and yet jazz is still in a state where people feel like they have to go support it. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> it's just not as popular mm. as it obviously used to be um, in the 40s. And I mean, that, even that was specific kind of jazz that was popular. But, um, you know, it's almost like we're all trying to figure out, like, what is it that we're playing? And what, you know, it's, this confusion is kind of like, the confusion you're seeing right now in this country, you know, and and that's that's what I mean. It's 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 all it's all a big part of it. But the difference is that you know jazz is kind of like a dem uh, democratic music. You know, everyone has uh, the ability to say something within this realm, um, and we're all able to come together regardless of our political views, regardless of our race. You know. Um, and we're all able to speak this kind of universal language, um, and and you know it's it's you, you can see it in the clubs. You can see it. Uh, I go to this one club in Jersey City, Moore's Lounge, every mm -hmm. Sunday. Uh, this great drummer, Winard Harper, runs it, and it's such a diverse mix of people that come and play. 
you know mm-hmm. and it's like you barely see that kind of stuff anywhere you know um in terms of just like going out somewhere <laughs> right. you know some club and all of a sudden it's like this really diverse amount of people and everyone's just really having a good time and really talking to each other and you know just you know playing music so it's 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 a really beautiful thing to see and um you know i i think jazz is always going to be a music that even though people think it's died or it's not as popular it's it's something that's going to keep going regardless of how people treat it you know because mm-hmm. it's just that powerful mm-hmm. i think that's 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 why it is the way it is you know yeah well that's that's really interesting perspective i've never heard anybody um describe it that way it's a lot <laughs> but you start, <laughs> no. think, you start thinking about this yeah. thing when you know when i guess you you see enough you play enough different gigs in jazz that you're like what connects all of this together you know mm-hmm. um because you know it's it's a there, there's a lot of different kinds of people playing jazz and there's a lot of different areas that have jazz and yet everyone still likes it and you're just like i don't understand how you know there, there's nothing else in america that's like this you know uh-huh. um so it's just really interesting to see and and i've, I've read so many uh different biographies I, I love reading artist biographies finding out how they got to the music um you know interviews uh just you know race dynamics in this country it's all so interesting you know there's almost like uh america's kind of like an experimental place (laughs) (laughs) you know in the world yeah for sure yeah so i understand that you and the lynn ted are actually in the recording studio now to record your out your is this your first album or yes this will be uh my very first album as a leader um you know we we went to the recording studio just a couple weeks ago um kind of reviewing the tracks right now uh but you know i'm not too sure when a release date is in order um i definitely know i would like to go back in at some point you know there's there's always a lot of when you try to record like you know 12 twos in one day uh-huh. uh it could be a little difficult so um you know there's certain tracks i would just like to kind of review and, sure. and see what i can do about it for sure um but you know the the producer that um or the person that's helping me produce uh is actually a, a very good uh mentor of mine uh anthony nelson jr mm-hmm. um he's kind of, he's kind of like one of the cats on the scene that uh kind of introduced me to you know um kind of like you know just get to know more about the music and the people that were playing it um he would have me on a couple of gigs you know he would give me a lot of advice so and i really liked his album so i really want him to to be on it but also to help produce it so that it sounded more mature than it was than i am <laughs> you know what I mean? um, that's great i'm young and you know it'd be it's always good to have uh older musicians tell you how it is for sure mm-hmm. And so what can we expect on the album? Because I know that um, a lot of times you try to incorporate something different in your um, performances. Like you, you, in the past, you've incorporated some Taiwanese folk songs, and then for the Lunar New Year, you did some Chinese and Taiwanese songs, like adapted into jazz style. Are we going to see any of that on the album? Yes. Uh, so all the songs that um, I know you heard on our concerts uh recently uh most of it will be on the album 
so um, yeah, we we took all these kind of well. First of all, my wife uh, chose all the songs that uh, all the Chinese and Taiwanese oh, songs to uh, put on this album. Yeah, to put on this album uh, because she knew what was really popular. You see, my I'm very Americanized, so uh, I kind of know the songs by hearing it a little bit. You know, uh-huh. just because my parents would. Sing karaoke uh-huh. and like <laughs> I would just be really annoyed by the song, you know. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I knew I knew some of it by um, by that association, <laughs> um, but she she chose most of it for sure. Oh, that's really interesting because I was going to ask you how you went about choosing that, but even even through that, I'm sure there must have been some kind of process to decide, um, you know, what you're going to use. Yeah, because you know she gave me like a lot of songs. Uh-huh. And you know, some of them just don't work within a, a jazz context. Okay. Meaning, like the the grooves that you're going to choose, kind of the rhythm that mm-hmm. you're going to choose uh-huh. to kind of make the song pop out. Sometimes uh-huh. it, it it distracts away from the original melody. See, my my goal with this album is to introduce. It's almost like a two step process or a back and forth process so is to introduce uh you know Taiwanese uh and Chinese people to jazz and then also introduce the people that like jazz to some of the Taiwanese and Chinese songs mm-hmm. so um and it's very interesting to see that that dynamic because when we did our shows we had both kinds of people come out you mm-hmm. know yeah. so there was there was people that were like oh I recognize those songs and I kind of know a little bit of jazz, and then the people that really knew jazz liked it because of jazz. But they're like, "Oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds like a a, a, a song that like is a jazz standard or something," you know? So oh, that's really people interesting. liked it for different reasons. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's a great way to kind of break the mold. Um, and I, I definitely didn't want to create an album of just like originals and jazz standards because a lot of people do that. So uh-huh. I wanted to be a little bit different by uh, kind of incorporating these kind of songs into there. Wow, that's great. So what do you enjoy the most about being a musician, like the live performance, being in the recording studio, the creative process, or, or something else? I'd... I like the free food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, um, you know, with the musician life, it's, it's exciting, you know? Um, that's uh, obviously, it sounds like I'm not saying it's good or bad, but um, you know, it's it's definitely like a journey, and it's something that. Uh, see, I used I used to work for a music organization, okay, uh, called Jazz House Kids, okay, and that was kind of more like a nine to five kind of thing, okay. even though it was still music, right? You know, it it just never felt like. I was really doing what I wanted to do in uh-huh. a way, you know, because I just really wanted to play my horn. Uh-huh. So um, once once I decided to become a full time musician, uh-huh. I really had to start like you know uh, going out more, start practicing more, you know. And uh, so so life every day is literally like uh, different, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's not a single day that goes by where I'm kind of like. Oh, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of time in the car, you know? <laughs> it's a lot of uh, practicing. It's a lot uh-huh. of, like, connecting uh, with people, uh, making a lot of connections and uh, doing the gigs. So I, th- I think the most, you know, the most fun part 
to be honest, is just the whole process. You know, the, the journey is very enjoyable because it's so um, so much different <laughs> than anything else. Right. Wow. I mean, it's it's really amazing to hear your enthusiasm and passion for it. I mean, I think that's a wonderful endorsement for anyone who's thinking about doing this kind of thing. But seriously, like, what kind of words of advice would you have for someone who's thinking about taking this path of becoming a professional mu- musician? Um, I guess I'll say the same thing that I've heard from the older guys that I kind of look up to uh-huh. is that it's really important to keep your head in the game meaning that it takes a while for people to recognize you as a person unfortunately but that's that's how it goes you know um you know someone's going to hire another musician who they know rather than someone they don't know and that that's just a basic fact you know i mean that's the same thing usually they want to hire their friends or they want to hire someone they can trust so in order to gain that friendship and to gain that trust, um, you know, really have to hang out with the people that you want to play with. You really have to be involved in a community that you really want to be a part of. Because for years, um, you know, it was hard. It was difficult. You know, um, there was really not that many gigs. Uh-huh. I was wondering where, when I was going to get paid to do the next thing, you wow. know, kind mm-hmm. of just sitting around waiting for the mm-hmm. phone to ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took about, I don't know, six, seven years wow. to just to just get like a decent amount of, you know, money flowing every week. Because I mean, the number one concern, I would say, for musicians is money. So right. figuring out your budget, you know, figuring out what works for you, you know, what you need, what you don't need. You, you learn to live very minimally that way. Mm-hmm. Because uh, and and you know the other thing is musicians love to make investments. We're all about investments, you know. <laughs> We're like, well, if we if we buy this now, that'll pay off later. We love that, you know. Like, oh, if I get better clothes, like people will mm-hmm. recognize. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, we we just love thinking like that. So mm-hmm. it could be a little bit of a dangerous road. So just you know, prepare. Don't don't rush into it. You know, um, take all the opportunities you can. That's, that's my advice, right, you know? Right. Um, and be professional. God, don't show up late. Yeah, horrible. right, right. <laughs> um, and, and what musician would you like to collaborate with if you could pick somebody? Is there somebody you... Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, that's, that's a hard question. I mean, hmm, who's the person I'd like to collaborate with? Uh... You know, it's it's interesting because I guess within like the realm of of um, the music that I'm playing, I kind of like collaborating with anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. um, every musician has something different to say, and you know, I mean, I kind of look up to all the serious musicians out there, regardless of style, regardless of who they are. You know, because in the end, it's all about music and. And uh, if it sounds good, it sounds good. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't. I just like working with anyone that uh, I've met that's a good musician. You know, yeah. um, I don't really hold anyone to a, necessary to a higher regard. You know, maybe because they're more famous. But in the end, there's a lot of musicians who are really great that don't have a name too. You know, mm-hmm. so I kind I kind of just live that way. You know, right. I, I don't really have. 
I used to have some goals, like mm-hmm. I would like to play with this band and that mm-hmm. band, but right now I'm I'm hanging out with one of the masters of the music. So for me, this is like the top of yeah. the world. I don't, yeah. you know, you know yeah. what I mean. So like I concentrate all my efforts on that. If that makes any sense, right? And um, have you thought about like where do you see your career going? Or are you? Yeah, um, it's interesting. You know, jazz is really interesting because. Um, you have to be really flexible about what you think your career is going to be because mm-hmm. a lot of people go into this being like I'm just going to play mm-hmm. but <laughs> what you end up learning is that well first of all uh, most of the time musicians have other things to also make money <laughs> right. that isn't just playing you know teaching um, you know doing some other kind of job you know just to make ends meet um, so you know, in terms of like where I think it's going, I mean, I would like to kind of have something that would be really sustainable in terms of like, I mean, a lot of people are going into like academic teaching, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like higher education, mm-hmm. college professorship kind of thing, which is very cool. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I'm wherever is kind of where, where I'm feeling, I'm going to go that direction. So if, if I've if I feel like my career is more playing performance based, then I'll, I'll kind of follow that direction. But yeah, I like the idea of helping out communities. Uh, I think obviously music is uh, by itself is, is very helpful to society. Um, but if you have other skills, I think it's important to use those too. You know, yeah. some people are good at public speaking mm-hmm. and within the music community. Uh, but they they might not use it, and that's kind of a shame because all sometimes all it takes is getting up on a, a podium every so often and and saying what you feel, and people will follow. You know, so it's it's, it's kind of one of those things in my life where I realize I'm okay at other things, so I'll use my skills to um, to do that. Because right now I'm also on the board of the New Jersey Jazz Society. I help uh-huh. make some of those decisions. Just joined mm-hmm. recently, mm-hmm. you know. I help, um, you know, Moore's Lounge kind of like we're talking to the mayor on, on Wednesday in Jersey City. You know, it, it's just kind of just uh, sometimes not all music, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. for me, it's all about helping another mm-hmm. individual mm-hmm. too. So yeah, yeah, and you teach as well, right? Yeah, teaching too. I mean, you know, that te- teaching is a very rewarding experience because you know you're passing down something that is really important to the next generation and when you see that they really get it and when they are really having fun and and really uh you know really eager to learn that's a really positive experience and uh i think it's something that you know there's all these articles that float around that say like music is good because it increases their level of math or you know some other reason other than music and you know for me that's a little discouraging because it's like well is music not important then like music is just important because of these other things you know uh, I can understand that obviously the um, what they're getting at but uh, for for me music is serves serve such an important role in society it's always kind of been a way for people to kind of uh, not really escape from reality mm-hmm. but to almost uh, accept reality you know mm-hmm. it's another way of looking at life and uh, a lot of people you know music has changed their lives whether mm-hmm. they 
know it or not right. unless they just like live you know without any music in their lives i'm sorry to hear that but <laughs> you know it's it's something that's like really a, a positive experience and uh you know tells the truth about what what the times are like so um you know it's uh I forget what the question was. Yeah, now. no, 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 that's <laughs> fine. Thank you so much. I mean, no, it was, you, that was, yeah. you gave some really interesting perspectives. I really appreciate that. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to share with my with the audience or that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that I forgot to mention is that I am seeing an increasing number of Taiwanese people interested in jazz, <laughs> which... It's a, it's a very interesting shift in um, dynamics because, you know, um, when I went to Taiwan to uh -huh. visit, um, you know, I went, to, I actually was hanging out at all the clubs, all the jazz clubs at night. Uh -huh. So, you know, I went with my family, but I brought my horn with me and I would oh, just go great. to the jam sessions. And, and we wouldn't be able to speak to each other because, you know, they would speak uh, Mandarin and yeah. I would just, <laughs> you know, but we could play tunes because yeah. we both knew the repertoire, you uh -huh. know, it was, it was a very interesting dynamic, and um, I see there's a level of seriousness of the people who come here to study. I've met a number mm -hmm. of Taiwanese musicians mm -hmm. that came overseas just to study here because they know that jazz is really happening in New York, you know? Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's, that, it's a very interesting change in dynamics. I think it's something that's really positive for the people, and I think it's the reason it's happening is because it's again it's a social music so um they see how much jazz has uh affected america's um need to change you mm -hmm. know and i think how many people are kind of in that same mindset you know mm -hmm. and uh musicians are always hit to that so i feel like they you know the investigation the willingness to learn it's, it's really coming from a deep cultural impact you know and I think it's really positive uh, I would like to see more Taiwanese musicians out there doing it you know there's not enough of us and I could use some more uh, contacts in my list you know what I mean <laughs> so um, yeah. I like diversity on the stage you know I, I intentionally you know uh, some people are weird about that but you know it's, I intentionally make my bands diverse because you know it's really important to to see um, everyone up there right. you know not mm -hmm. just the people that you're used to hanging out with, not just the cultures you're used to, mm -hmm. you know, talking about and everything, but to see a really big mix of people, because at the end of the day, you can all get along if you're playing good music, you know? Right. So. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I thought that was very interesting, because I actually did want to ask you, um, like, what you know about, like, the history of jazz in Taiwan, or, like, you know, but it's just interesting to hear what's going on currently, never mind... Um, you know what's happened historically and yeah well you know jazz jazz has always been kind of um an interesting history in the asiatic countries because um you know if, if you really think about uh <laughs> what what kind of music was popular in taiwan um there really wasn't that much jazz influence uh -huh, per se i uh -huh. mean um maybe sometimes harmonically it was like that or maybe every so often you'll hear something that was blues oriented but um for the most part it, it kind of uh was based off of more uh almost european styles of music so it's it's a really 
you know, I'm not quite sure about how jazz really entered Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the history in, in China because for a while they actually banned yeah, uh, American jazz. You know, wow. kind of like something that was frowned upon. Oh. Um, and only, re- you know, once they lifted that, um, what, what was it, the Chinese mandate, the, uh, the, the open Chinese door. The Chinese Exclusion yeah, Act? Once, once they did open door policy, um, then it was like, uh, that's when jazz re-entered and became influential again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, but, oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> For the most part, it's cool to see jazz in, yeah. in Taiwan, yeah. I think, because it's rapidly growing, people want it again, you know? Right, right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. It was like um, so interesting talking to you. And um, so, could you tell people where they can find out about Lintet? Like, you you have a website. You guys are on Facebook. How can they find out more about you guys? Yeah, we have a website. Uh, um We have a Facebook page, the Lintet uh, YouTube. We're on all social media, but, um, you know, usually I, I've been functioning, like, if they just want to see me play, like, personally, um, I do a lot of stuff on Facebook. <laughs> I'm pretty much on there, like, all the time. So they can actually just add me personally. I still have a lot of slots in my friends list, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, that's usually the best way to do it because, uh, you know, um, you know, Facebook friends are not, you know, they can be acquaintances too. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's cool. So, um, yeah, just, just follow me on there and you can see wherever I'm playing next. Okay, great. Um, I usually post last minute too. Mm-hmm. So just oh, you know. okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Felicia. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing here. You know, it's important to get the word out. I've been speaking with Peter Lin, a musician, trombone player, and leader of the jazz band, The Lintet. If you'd like to know more about Peter and the Lintet, we'll share links to Peter's Facebook profile, the Lintet, and a special bonus clip featuring a classic Teresa Tang song from one of the Lintet's Lunar New Year shows in 2018. All of this will be on our website, www.talkingtaiwan.com. Next week, we'll be bringing back Peter to let us know how he's been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and to share some advice for how musicians can get through these tough times. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lee. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.